Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, when Bobby Blades and I were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do we record an episode? How do we get our show into all the apps people like to listen to? How do we make money from our podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it is 100% free. That's one of my three favorite four-letter F words. It's also ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Now, admittedly, I am not a rocket surgeon. I'm not tech savvy. I need things to be super simple. Anchor makes it easy for us. We create the content and Anchor does all the rest of the work. I dig that the most. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join the Inhumans and a diverse community of like-minded degenerate podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You know I'll be listening. The following is a fourth-hand production. Welcome to the weird and mysterious world of the Inhuman Experience, a paranormal podcast where we explore the strange. Oh, we uh, interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special crossover episode from the fourth hand, starring Ronin Geek Official Podcast. Smack it down <laughs> in the Inhuman Experience, or something to that effect. All right, Aries. Transition. Do it now. Yes. Push the button. What button? There's no button. The bi- no, the, the big red button. Oh, the push switch. Ask clown. Ugh. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. everybody welcome to the first crossover episode of uh i guess fourth hand media yeah now we're on fourth hand media so that's cool and you know we've got i got jay silver from smack it down podcast uh my little co-pilot here and i'm joined by alex from ronin geek official podcast is that correct yeah you got it all right i got the name correct that's good we're we're off to a good start and uh, Alex is going to be telling us some creepy pasta stories that have to do with Pokemon. Well, I'd like to lead off with I, I feel like I feel like I'm talking to somebody from uh, from like the Misfits or something because I see like uh, your little your little Skype logo <laughs> on there and it's the album cover from from the Misfits. Love so, the Misfits, uh, you man. Know, this, I'd like to think I'm talking to Jerry only or Danzig or somebody like that. Yeah, it would probably be more like Danzig, not Jerry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see, um, there was an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where they legit got Glenn Danzig to do a voiceover on the show. Did you ever see that? Oh, fuck. Now I do have to go see it. Uh, no, I wasn't you, aware you of that. You have to go, just look it up on YouTube. It's it's incredible. He's like, there, there's some ghost of Christmas past from the future present, and it's it's all about getting blood to flow from things. 
And so Glenn Danzig ends up kid kidnapping this robot and forcing it to try and get blood to flow up the wall. And it's like this whole joke. To, it's amazing. Like if, if you're a Misfits Glenn Danzig fan, like you got to go check this thing out. And he's freaking brilliant in it. So you got you got to go see that. Taco oh, Team yeah. Force. I'm Dude, this thing's like out. 15 years old. It's old, but it's great. That's amazing. I got to see that now. I'm going to have to look for it tonight. Oh man, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I, I like to be a little bit creeped out. Uh, and I, I heard you, you were talking about Mandela effects on an earlier episode that you recorded today. Yeah. And then that's kind of what you're talking about. So I don't know. I, I do. It, once once we get to that story, I actually have a little bit of background on Mandela effect that I, that I can that I can recite for you, just to kind of get listeners sort of involved in the conversation here. Jay, are, are you aware? I am kind of aware, yes. Okay, cool, cool. So, so it won't be too strange to hear about the Mandela effect situation. So now I'm guessing that you guys pretty much don't associate anything potentially paranormal or scary uh, with Pokemon. Am I correct? Right. Okay, okay. Then you're really going to dig this. So uh, now a lot of fans, and I was asking you earlier, uh, Bobby, if you had heard about this one, you hadn't. But a lot of fans of the games probably would have already heard about this first one that I'll lead off with here. And you guys can kind of cut me off, Ooh. jump in whenever you want to, by the way, because I'm let, fairly long-winded when it comes to this. Let What's me guess. Let me guess. Is it the Love and the Town Syndrome? Boom! That's what we're starting with. That's what we're starting with. So, uh, so at least we knew the Bobby. <laughs> See, I so, knew there was a reason I brought Jay on here. <laughs> No, that's not an issue. I'm just saying you see you being here helps me not feel so lost because I didn't really pay much attention to Pokemon. Oh, you disappoint me, Bobby. I know. I know. Dude, I was like 14 when the first one dropped in the States. So that was like um, uh, 1998. And uh, so I, I've sort of grown up with it. But a lot of the people who were into it are people. You know, our age. I'm guessing you guys are around my age and in, in, in the 30s range. And uh, uh, and, and, and I, I really, I, was, I really enjoyed. What's up? I was going to say I was five when the first game came out. Then. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So you're a little bit, uh, you're a little bit behind it, maybe. Everybody's but, uh, so but, young. I, I, but... Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, I guess. I'm the oldest one here. Wait, wait. That's fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Listeners love this stuff when we reveal personal details. I'm 36. Oh, okay. So you're you're second in line. Jay's the youngest. I'm the oldest. I'm 44. Uh, okay, I'm the little, okay. 20, uh, I'm the little 27 year old you got off here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the young boy. Oh my god. The young lion over here. Oh, I'm sorry. Young blood. Young blood. And uh, so now most fans would already know about this one, uh, but it's all about the original games of red and blue and later yellow in the States as well. There was also green in Japan, but we won't get into that. So this, this occurs uh, all the way back in 1996. However, the game itself, the, the red and blue game, which is the original Pokemon games for the original Game Boy, they didn't drop in the States until 1998. So we're going to do some real time, you know, sort of try, time traveling to get back into this topic. So, so think about that. We're going all the way back to 1996 now. So, in these games, there's basically a town that you visit as you explore the Kanto region of Pokemon, which is the name of the, the sort of in-game world in the original Pokemon game. And that town is called Lavender Town. So alluding to what we were talking about earlier. So now most players who visit Lavender Town will notice very quickly that the music in this town is something very, very strange. And more on that in a minute. The town itself actually contains a feature called the Pokemon Tower, which is a it's essentially a graveyard for the Pokemon in the game. Uh, when you play the game, you can also find ghost-type Pokemon in areas outside the town. So it's basically considered to be a, a very spooky place within Pokemon lore, if you can possibly imagine that. <laughs> I'm just oh picturing God. Mewtwo right now, and I don't know why. He's the first one that came wrong. to mind? I was going to say, wrong, wrong type. Buddy. Yeah, I don't know, man. The, the first thing that came to mind, like, all I know about Pokemon is um, Squirtle and Mewtwo. So I did play Pokemon Go for a little while. Nice. Okay. Yeah, Mewtwo is, uh, he's a bit of a dark character in, in the lore of Pokemon. I won't get into him today, but yeah, a little, little bit of a dark backstory uh, behind Mewtwo as well. So interesting you bring him up. Um, so... Now, more on the music, it's actually been said that listening to the drone of the synthesized Lavender Town tune for too long can actually fill you with feelings of dread and uneasiness. Like people people who listen to it for a long period of time 
actually feel physically ill. And, and leading up to this, when I was writing it, I went back and listened to it. And I can say that it's definitely got a little bit of like a like a circus or like carnival sort of revolving feel to it. Uh, you know, like there's someone on a hand crank music machine making the noise. Like it's it's just it, it is very like uh, grating in, in a very in a very bizarre manner. I knew there was a reason so, why carnival music always unsettled me. Oh yeah, I, I think it's because it's usually like short bursts. It's almost like, you know, like a like a like a MIDI situation. It's just a very short thing played over and over and over. And it's weird because the song itself is, by most accounts of people who played the original games, it's actually the worst song on the original soundtrack. And I would actually kind of second that. I think that the the song itself, the Lavender Town uh, tune, is actually it's just trash, even for synthesized music and in, in-game in music, it's just awful. And uh, and, and it's I will, actually uh, interesting. Uh, I will. Sorry, I was just going to say, I, 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 was gonna say I, I, I will third that conversation. Okay, dude, it's, it's awful. Like, I don't even know how, like, in, in a game that gave us that many iconic tunes, I mean, that what, that, you know, spread to, to the show and to, what, 50 games afterwards or thereabouts, how could it possibly be, you know, that that bad of a tune? It's just bizarre. And like so anyway, it's right. a Sorry, I was just going to say, the oh, thing yeah. is, though, like, they, like, not every town has its own, like, music to it, like, because there's a lot of things that cross over when it came back to those early games, but it's funny that Lavender Town has its own unique theme. Actually, you're right, and it's also weird that that particular theme, um, it's been updated twice, so it actually got updated for 2007, for, for some re-release at that point, I can't remember exactly which one it was. Uh, Fire Red Leaf Green? Yes, that had to have been it. You're right. You're right. It had to have been that. And then, uh, and then it was updated again for the most recent releases of the uh, for the Switch. And and I own the game. I can't even think of the name right now though. The Pokemon Let's Go, Let's Go. Eevee and Pikachu. Yeah, it was updated That's for right. those too. So anyway, now now there was a creepypasta around this, if you could call it that, back in 2010. And it actually appeared on 4chan, and it described a, no, a little-known news story from Japan in 1996, so that was the year for the original game's release in Japan, in which it said that up to 200 children were inflicted with a strange syndrome that led to headaches, nosebleeds, irrational fear and anger, and, and ultimately suicide, all as a result of having played and listened to the Lavender Town theme in the course of the game. So the illness, as, as you mentioned earlier, Jay, was actually dubbed Lavender Town Syndrome by the online community, and the debate over the veracity of the claims began all the way back then. So it, it was actually said that uh, the children were, were, were all the victims, aged 7 to 18, and they only developed the syndrome after playing the game up to the point of reaching Lavender Town. So, and, and allegedly there are some Japanese articles about this. I, uh, of course, you find these things online, so they could be you know, completely and utterly fabricated. Uh, which is always the caveat to anything you find online, but uh, but pretty pretty bizarre story, and it actually goes a little bit deeper because in 2012, an anonymous user added some serious fuel to the Lavender Town creepypasta claims by photoshopping ghosts into the spectrogram of the Lavender Town theme, <laughs> which is absolutely taking it a step too far. Okay, but, so uh, wait, yeah. ghost audio or like ghost video? Like how how do they do that? Well, it's it, they just did it artistically. So they took the spectrogram of the actual Lavender Town theme and just made it appear that there were ghosts in the spectrogram. Oh, like okay. in, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the actual ghost was the unknown Pokemon. Is is what they what they actually photoshopped in somehow. Um, I didn't look that one. I thought up. it was the. Uh, um, sorry, I thought it was the sprite for the Marowak ghost. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was. I, I didn't look it up for this particular set of research, but that's uh, that would actually make more sense. Yeah, because it was like a it was like a ghost ghost themed town, I guess, for for Pokemon in the original game. Um, so, further more detailed reports also appeared online over the years, claiming that back in April of 1996, that the the, the actual victims, the bodies of several victims who ran from their homes in a state of panic and confusion, were found laying along the roadside in various locations in Japan as a result of this. So, yeah, I mean, who knows if any of it's true, but it certainly makes for uh, kind of an unexpected Pokemon topic anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask you if there was any evidence to back that up. Like, uh, were there news articles in Japan of these people who had come down with that Lavender Town syndrome and fucking committed suicide or anything like that? 
or is well, it? Just... I suspect that at one time they probably had links to something fabricated online, but I, I think it was probably pretty flimsy oh, okay. at the time. So yeah, yeah, but it it has been a long time in the making for that one. It has been about a decade on that one. But anyway, the, the the sort of legend persists, and it's funny because I still see it pop up from time to time in Pokemon message boards, typically from from the much younger crowd, from you know like the, the current teenagers that are out there who are just getting into the games and discovering it for the first time. So it's become kind of a you know rite of passage kind of story for Pokemon fans uh, to kind of get to uh, embrace that and talk about it and learn about it all over again. So it's uh, it's fun how some of those things sort of self-perpetuate but uh yeah fun times <laughs> nice oh man now here i was thinking so, that video games were just good clean fun oh man <laughs> uh unless you're playing in lavender town you're good you're yeah good. um now the second story is uh that i present you with today is about a mandela effect uh so do, do you want me to give like a quick explanation on the Mandela effect, or should I just get right into it? Because I, I have an explanation kind of written down here. Yeah, you can give one just for the people who are listening that might not know what it is. Oh, okay, cool. So just as kind of an aside, uh, so Mandela effects uh, are, and that's named after Nelson Mandela, of course, which I'll get to. So the Mandela effects are, are a form of either uh, A, false memories, B, true memories, but from a parallel dimension, uh, similar to ours, but, but, but not the same. Or they're a form of cognitive dissonance paired with extreme paranoia. Uh, you can kind of choose which school of thought you follow, you know, based on you know how much of a skeptic you normally are, and I'm sure you will by the time I'm done reading this. So the name is derived from an event that occurred as a result of of a website explaining the ph- phenomenon in 2009, which was put up by paranormal researcher Fiona Broom to explain her observation of the phenomenon in her own life, uh, because she'd recently learned that contrary to her beliefs, Nelson Mandela was alive and well in 2009, even though she distinctly remembered him perishing in prison in the 1980s, back when he was jailed uh, for being essentially revolutionary. So pretty bizarre. Um, Other people actually shared the same memory as her, which is kind of what prompted her to make the website, make the story, turn it into an actual field of research, all that good stuff. Um, So other examples of this would be like, uh, and you guys can speak to these as well. I'm sure you know all about them. The the Berenstein Bears, Mandela effects. This is where, you know, the children's books uh, of the same name. Most people remember the spelling of Berenstein with an E. So S-T-E-I-N at the end of Berenstein. And instead, in, in reality, there's actually an A in the name. It's Berenstain. Yep. So Berenstain bears instead of Berenstein beers. So it, it's actually uh, spelled differently than virtually all of us remember. Unless one of you guys remembers it being spelled with an A. No, I remember it being Steen, not Stain. Yeah, I, I don't I even know what books you're talking about. <laughs> That's all right. You're in a yeah. place that doesn't exist. <laughs> what? What place is that? <laughs> the Earth is flat. Australia's not real. <laughs> oh. oh my God! Are you really in Australia right now? Yeah. Oh yeah, my man. God, man! What, what time is it there? Uh, it is almost nine a.m. Dude, you're you're having to listen to me before 9 a.m. I, I really I don't envy you, man. I don't even like to talk to myself uh, before That's 9 a.m. That's brutal. That it's fine, man. Brutal. Bobby's gonna argue. Good morning. I oh yeah, you, well morning, yeah we got we're gonna be talking about uh, Dragon Ball Z the next time we get Bobby Anthem on here to do the Inhuman Connection. Yeah, we are, oh, dude. Yeah. It's gonna be great. That's freaking sweet. Yeah, because uh, let's see. The other, the other Mandela effect I had written down here is just the C-3PO one, because a lot, that'll freak out a lot of people if they hadn't thought about it before. But uh, most people remember C-3PO from Star Wars A New Hope as being all gold. His body is gold. Extremities are gold, everything. However, he actually has one silver leg. His right leg is actually silver in the original Star Wars movie, and, and not a lot of people know that. Uh, I certainly didn't know it until it was pointed out to me in a Mandela effect uh, comment thread. So uh, definitely one that freaked me out. I don't know. Do you guys remember that one or first encountering that? Um, well, I didn't pay much attention to the color of C-3PO. So I, when I heard it, I never really looked back and said, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of not what I thought as a kid. So that one kind of slipped by. But with the, uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Berenstein Bears and the, you know, a lot of the other Mandela effects, that, those were the ones that kind of hit home. Oh yeah, and, for sure, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, sorry, and as for me, like once again, I'm in the Bobby camp with that. I didn't really pay much attention. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it freaked me out for sure when I first read it because, man, I watched Star Wars A New Hope religiously as a kid, dude. Like, I, I honestly, I've probably seen the film from the age of, like, 12 to 16. I probably watched it 100 times. Like, it was it was such an integral part of, of my media life at the time. Uh, so it, that definitely freaked me out, and I had to go back and look, and certainly it is silver. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty bizarre. Anyway, um, it turns out that not even Pokemon is actually safe from Mandela effects. And, and I have to give you, uh, I have to give a shout out to the All Time 2 YouTube channel that actually put together the most complete story on this, uh, e even though it's resulting from a 2018 event. So anyway, so shout out to them. Uh, make sure to check them out on YouTube too. It's a good channel. Um, again, originating in 2010, this story also uh, comes from an online Pokemon user thread on 4chan. So people were asked to submit drawings of their favorite Pokemon and one of the entries was a crude drawing of a blue frog-like creature with a yellow swirl on its belly and yellow protrusions from its head, like what some salamanders have, if you've seen salamanders. I don't know if they got those in Australia. Do they have salamanders in Australia? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. We got a lot of weird animals here, so probably. What's a salamander? <laughs> I mean, they, they got, know, they got they're all capitalized on the marsupials. See, we only got like one marsupial. We get we got the possum. That's it, dude. That's all the marsupial we got. But we do have salamanders. So like it's kind of kind of a give and take. You can kind of choose what you like. So uh, pick, pick your favorite animals. So uh, anyway, that's kind of what this creature looks like. Now, people actually thought that this was posted as a joke because it was such a crude drawing. And, and the poster was insisting that it was a real Pokemon called Tentaquil that came out in one of the two original games. It wasn't specified in my research. So the name itself sounds like a combination of two other Pokemon names that do exist. One is Cyndaquil uh, and one is Tentacool. So they came from the second, the second gen and first gen of Pokemon respectively. Uh, so that, that's where maybe we thought they were getting the name Tentacool from, it's just a combination, just remembering what, what that actual name was. But it, it was definitely laughed off as a joke because the Pokemon was not a character in either of the original games or Gen 1 or Gen 2. And by 2010, the source code for the original two generations of Pokemon had long been sifted through and dissected by the coding community. So there's no way that even if this Pokemon existed as a character in the game data only, it wouldn't have been found already. Like it would have been because those games had been utterly dissected line by line, letter by letter, number by number. Uh, since since the source code was online, which probably, dude, that probably happened in like 2000. It probably happened forever ago. So anyway, the story goes dark for a while, and it picks up again in 2018 when the source code for the original Pokemon Gold and Silver demo, or I guess beta as they refer to it, was released online, which prompted the coding community to immediately start dissecting the newest never-before-seen beta of Pokemon Gold, which had previously never been seen outside of Japan. Allegedly, it was shown as a playable demo at Space World Japan Convention in uh, 1997. So it goes back pretty far on that one. So what, what happens next is pretty bizarre. And this is where we definitely get into the Mandela Effect territory. So among the art assets of the beta game that were extracted were a handful of Pokemon that didn't make the final cut of Pokemon Gold and Silver. Interestingly, character art for one Pokemon that appeared, it, it was the exact same character as the so-called Tentaquil. So, uh, which basically had the same belly swirl on it, the head protrusions, everything. It looked like a, a frog-like creature, salamander-like creature. It was the exact same thing uh, that had appeared on 4chan eight years earlier. The trippy part is that Tenaquil wasn't even a playable character in the beta of the game. So the playable demo that was at Japan Space World 1997 uh, was not, it did not include this character. He appeared in the code as an art asset only. So even if you did play the demo back then, you would not have seen this character. So it kind of rules out anybody remembering that. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. So, 
there are basically two scenarios that could have taken place here. Scenario one is that someone who knew about the art assets from the original beta posted the original piece on 4chan back in 2010. This would qualify them to be someone within, within probably within Game Freak, a notoriously secretive studio that makes Pokemon games for Nintendo, and possibly an artist or someone who cataloged the content for the original Gold and Silver beta, um, which, which honestly is highly unlikely because this basically means that only a handful of people within Game Freak, and I'm talking like fewer than like a dozen people, would have ever had the chance to see Tentacool character design before it was locked away in the source code. And these people are not typically hanging around on 4chan message boards uh, revealing Pokemon secrets. So it's just, it's it's so utterly unlikely <laughs> that it's someone from within Game Freak uh, who posted that back in 2010. It's so bizarre. We've got bleed over from an alternate dimension. Yeah, and that's the second scenario possibility. So the only other possible scenario was that uh, this was either merely a coincidence that someone drew from memory an accurate representation of Pokemon that they didn't know existed, or that, 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 this is the Mandela effect. And it's revealed that someone has memories from a different Earth timeline, one in which Pokemon, this Pokemon, was used in the actual game. So uh, honestly, I think it's probably the best case for Mandela effect that I've ever come across. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, man, it's tricky as hell. Yeah, that's crazy. So, and and the kicker, I think, was the fact that he was found as an art asset only in the game. So this, you know, as far as the beta was was concerned, this was not a playable character in the beta. So the the beta would have had like the starters as playable characters only. Uh, so all of the other ones, and it was there was a handful of other ones, like a couple dozen others that did not make the final cut of the game, who were also art assets in the beta as well. So they found a whole handful of them. And uh, it's just bizarre that, you know, one, this story is separated by by eight years of timeline. And and two, it, it wasn't even a playable character to begin with. So it would have had to be someone on the inside of Game Freak, uh, which, again, is, is so unbelievably unlikely that they, they would even spend a fraction of a second ever on a 4chan message <laughs> board talking about this stuff. Uh, and in particular, posting crude drawings of them uh, uh, as well on random 4chan message boards. It just that makes no sense whatsoever. It's just so unlikely. And uh, in my opinion, it's, again, it's probably the best evidence I've ever seen, man. Like it's it's fairly conclusive. <laughs> so as far as evidence goes. Yeah, that this reminds me a little bit of the Mortal Kombat Ermac uh, story of the 90s when Mortal Kombat came out and all my friends were telling me, oh, there's a secret character, his name is Ermac, he's a red ninja. But it wasn't, he didn't actually come out until I think the second game where they, um, I think Ed Boon had heard the community talking about it and apparently there was no such character or it was kind of a joke. And he was, uh, and then he actually released him as like a uh, secret character inside the game where he would come out and you would fight him kind of like Reptile in the first Mortal Kombat. Interesting. Yeah. So he was originally in, um, was he in Mortal Kombat 2? Um, I believe it was 2. Because uh, after okay. 1 came out, everybody was so focused on Reptile being like the secret hidden character. Right, right interesting huh i gotta go and look that up now because yeah i honestly now that i think about it i, I don't really recall i mean I, I recall talking about secret characters in mortal kombat back in the day uh, and i remember talking about him and smoke and reptile uh i don't know yeah I'm, I'm not sure uh i'm not sure when i actually remember him popping up now i gotta go and look that up that's 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 freaking me out <laughs> yeah i gotta check the timeline on that too because i do remember after playing the first mortal kombat we're all just kind of chomping at the bit, waiting for number two to get up, get out of the arcades and come into home consoles and everything. Right. And then right, my right, friend, right, right. my friend's telling me he's like, "Oh, hey, there's a red ninja. His name is Ermac." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, I've never heard of anything like this, but um, what do what do we have to do to reach that level?" And he's telling me, "Oh, you gotta be, uh, you know, you gotta get this many perfects, and then you gotta do an uppercut at this stage, and then press down, down, up, up. You know, do all this crazy shit." <laughs> <laughs> but I never could get oh, him. Man. And it wasn't until like the early 2000s where I actually saw um, arcade gameplay footage of Ermac appearing. And I was like, oh, shit, I guess he is real. But yeah, I, that before so that, I'd tricky. never seen it. 
Yeah, it says uh, Ermac is actually derived from a, plural, a pluralized contraction of Aramacro as in the number of times the program would execute in, in regards to game development. So that's that's interesting that there was actually a little bit of history behind the name, too. So weird, man. Yeah, I got to go and research this now. That's really fascinating. Huh. Yeah, being a huge Mortal Kombat fan, you know, it was uh, always nice to find these little Easter eggs. Oh, yeah, man. It was all about the secret and unlockable stuff back then. And, and it was cool back in the day because, like, there was no Internet uh, to kind of be the final authority on something. You know right. what I mean? So it was all just, you know, kid to kid, you know, talking about it at school on lunches on the playground, you know, talking <laughs> about it after school on the phone. Like, there was no Internet uh, for the longest time to kind of be the end all be all. You know, I guess I remember it maybe like um, uh, maybe around the time I was starting to get into Dragon Ball Z, which would have been 97, 98 when it was on uh, Toonami. I remember going online for the first time to really find clips of that stuff online. Uh, they hadn't come from Japan yet. So, uh, yeah, this was all before that even. Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah, now now, now, now I'm going to go look up game-related uh, Mandela effects after this and get more <laughs> updates. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe do an episode on that. I can't remember. Uh, um, oh wow, I can't remember life before the internet which sucks like i can only remember certain things but definitely it was like rocking the sega genesis playing playing mortal kombat playing street fighter 2 turbo you know all those things and that's pretty much it I, man you know i just remember early gaming I, I remember just being utterly astounded by early gaming on on the pc and and not because the games were so good the games to me at the time were just bad games and I'm talking about stuff like uh, like Oregon Trail, you know, back then. Uh, some of the other stuff, which was like the word the word based RPGs, and I, I thought they were just bad games. I just wasn't into them. And I think the first time I saw like Ultima Online was the first time I realized that like, oh, like, yeah, you know, this could be a platform for something very different than what we normally play, right? Because at the time I would have had a you know like a Super Nintendo or an N64 or whatever the case is. And uh, I just remember being totally blown away then by what came after that. Like I think the first Warcraft. Uh, or the first StarCraft was maybe two of the first PC games I ever had, or SimCity 2000. Uh, and, uh, and and back then, it was all just a learning experience because everything, you know, everything on Windows back then was so open door. You could do whatever you wanted to on the platform. And I just remember, like, spending hours upon hours, like, uh, editing SimCity 2000 files. And in, in the, they had, like, an urban renewal kit that came with a special edition of the game. And you could download files for other people's cities online and then import them on PC. And this was even back in like 97, like this was forever ago. And, and I just remember being totally blown away by that connectivity. Uh, Cause it was really the first time, you know, I sort of indirectly interacted with another gamer online. It was such a trip. Um, but yeah, those were, those were exciting times. Oh, sweet. So you've always been a PC gamer, not really a console gamer. Oh, for, for a while there I was, yeah, I was mainly PC. And then around the time GameCube was really in the thick of things, like uh, with Super Mario Sunshine, uh, Animal Crossing, um, the Resident Evil remake, like that stuff pulled me back in. And, and ever since then, I've definitely been more heavy uh, console. I haven't even fired up my PC in months, man. Honestly, I've been playing so much on, on uh, PlayStation 4 and Switch lately. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Final Fantasy VII remake got me. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. I've never played uh, you, the original Final Fantasy VII, but I have played the remake. Honestly, like you, you could, you know, you can go back and play it. Some people would be real bullish on that. They'd be like, "Oh, you got to go back and play the original or whatever to get the full experience." But honestly, dude, like the experience of the Seven remake, uh, even though it's only representative of the first seven or eight hours from the original game, is a way more complete and rewarding experience. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I had an absolute blast with it. It was a total nostalgia trip. And this is coming from somebody who's 100% of that game like half a dozen times, the original. It's, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the remake. So was, was it crazy about all the narrative decisions? Certainly. Uh, but there was so much narrative compared to the original. That's what was different. Oh, okay. Yeah, overall, you know, pretty good experience, I would say. Yeah, on the Xbox, I was just getting into playing Final Fantasy XV, and I actually enjoy that. I'm I'm really having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, 15. I would say take your time with 15, man. Take your time with it. I I got I, I played that for a while, and then I kind of rushed it toward the end. And and the last like quarter of the game kind of goes on the rails, so it sort of takes you through the final story beats like uh, sort of against your will, so to speak. 
Uh, so I would say if you're still in the open world part of it, like up until you reach, like you'll eventually reach like this sort of watery city area. Take your time. Just take your time with all of it. Really enjoy it. Do all the side quests in real time. So you're not having to backtrack a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's just, it's a great game for that. It's a great game just to chill with. Yeah. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, did you get the um, did you get the edition like the royal edition that has all the side stories that you can play afterwards? Uh, hmm, I can't remember honestly. Yeah, I, I think I just got the edition. standard. Yeah. yeah, even if you did, like if you have favorite characters in the game, they all have side stories you can play afterwards, and you can purchase them as one offs or as a pack or whatever you want to do. But it's uh, yeah, there's some good content that even came out with after the fact. Oh, that's pretty good. Like, I guess I'm kind of against DLC, really, because I remember, you know, in the 90s when you bought a game, that was the game. And like, if you if you wanted add ons and expansions, you had to wait till the next game came out. And everything, the games were complete back then. And now it's like you get it and there's a day one patch to uh, download to your system. And so it's like that part is really annoying. Oh, it's so annoying, man. And it's become such a business model, you know what I mean, for, for them to always have some other piece of content in the works until they make the next full iteration of the game. Final Fantasy, I would say, is probably the most guilty. Uh, so based on the experience with uh, with 15 and also with uh, 14 online, uh, they're always coming out with new content packs that you, you can purchase and all that. Um, if you're interested in RPGs, like JRPGs that do things a little bit different, you can check out like um, like Persona, the Persona series. In fact, they just came out with Persona 5 Royal, uh, which basically gives you like an entire second story to play in the game along with the first one. So they didn't offer that as just DLC 5. They're just like, we'll sell it as another game. And uh, so if you're going to buy that game brand new right now and play it for the first time, you're getting, dude, like 200 hours worth of gameplay for your money. Like, it's a crazy amount. Can I just like butt in for a second? Go for it. Dude, Persona 5 Royale is such a freaking commitment. Like, I'm 110 hours into that game, and, like, I'm nowhere near the end of it. <laughs> what, 110 like, hours? Are you 110 kidding me? hours into the game. That sounds painful. I, have you encountered great game, content? Though. How is it? Um, it's... Dude, it's really good. Um, Can I plug another podcast on you, dude, or not? Yeah, go for it, man. Because you're... If you want to hear, like, a interesting sort of, like, in-depth review for it, check out the Red Leaf Retrocast Modern Gaming Podcast from uh, last month, because they do a in-depth look into it, and it's actually really interesting. You said that was Red Leaf... Red Leaf Retrocast. Okay, I will absolutely check it out. Good shout-out. Cool, too easy. Sweet. Yeah, but anyway, that's I, I mean the original Persona Five is still good just on its own too, and I'm sure you can get that on the cheap now. Um, did you play Jay? Did you play uh, like Persona Four Golden back in the day? Uh, I did. I also played Persona Five Vanilla, and then I as I said, I'm playing Persona Five Royale. Um, yeah, yeah, like Royale, dude. Like it, it, it's really good. Like if you were gonna play the original, like you can play both and still get like an interesting experience out of both of them because they're different enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, yeah, I'm definitely picking up Royal then. So, <laughs> so I got the original now. I got I got vanilla now, and I, now I need now I know that I have to pick up Royal and play that too. So, have you ever found? Is there any other way to play Persona Four Golden other than like Vita? No, no like, the, yes, Vita is yes. the only way to play it because I have it on Vita. Dude, you're so yeah. lucky. I, I sold mine so long ago, and I regret it so hard because I assume that oh, it, it'll come out on whatever other future system no problem like every other game and then, and then of course it never even had like a pc edition or anything it's so bizarre but uh, oh, yeah I'm, such I'm, a shame I'm, man i'm so waiting on like a remake of persona 3 or something <laughs> they should just like freaking put out like a collection of it like every other company's doing it's like do persona 1 through 3 yeah do the hd collection thing like they did with metal gear solid mm. yeah oh, but then again awesome. if they were gonna do that like they could also do it with like shin megami tensei and they've got a, like a freaking landmine there of just content that people would buy atlas does yeah why don't they it's almost like a like a fan service kind of thing to release it as an hd compilation like i'd i'd be totally game to pay the money for that take my money take it (laughs) must so would i it must be a pain in the ass to get the licensing for all that though 
Well, if it's if it's all handled in house, like they're welcome. Yeah, they, yeah. They no, it's all dude. All all the Persona games in that have been made by Atlas, so I don't really see how it'd be that hard to do. Maybe the code's still outdated. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. But they could uh, remaster that if they put like all this other crap from PS1 onto the PS4 as a HD remaster, then I'm sure they wouldn't have much of a problem updating a lot of the graphics for that. It might take them a couple of years, but they could still do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It might turn out like the, you know, for whatever reason, they did it so quick with like Final Fantasy VIII as an example. Uh, but they didn't they didn't remaster the entire game like they sort of updated the character models and it was a little less muddy uh, but otherwise it was the same game was my understanding and, and it was fairly uh, a fairly divisive uh, remaster like I, it just it didn't seem like a lot of people were all about Final Fantasy VIII at the time that came out uh, so I, I don't know if maybe that kind of put them off from wanting to do more or something I don't know but uh, I mean I definitely like the take on the remakes that have been coming out, you know, Resident Evil 2 and 3 and Final Fantasy 7 remake. And then now we're getting, um, uh, they're allegedly remasters of Tony Hawk 2 and 3 from, from or 1 and 2 from back in the day. But they, they honestly look like remakes. They look gorgeous. I'm going to hold off on that game because of how bad 5 was. Just throwing that out there. Which one? Resident oh, Evil? You got, you got 5? No, Tony Hawk Pro got 5 like it was oh, freaking okay. trash. And I'm a big like Tony Hawk game player. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, like it kind of was. Yeah. That's a shame, dude. So the Hawk, the Hawk man didn't should have thought twice for putting his name behind that, huh? I <laughs> know. <laughs> like what it was was like the um whoever it was, I think it was Activision. Like they were running out of time on the license, so they just decided to do like one last cash grab. Oh, I didn't realize the license was about to expire. Of course. So whoever has this one, I'm pretty sure is a new production company. So I've got hope. It's, uh, actually, Vicarious Visions is doing it. So what did they do recently? They've done something that I really like. I can't remember though. They did a uh, they did a lot of Skylanders. They did uh, Ports of Guitar Hero. They did um, I'm trying to think of other recent stuff that was like original. I can't think of anything offhand, but I know they did a lot of Skylanders. They did like all the Skylanders. Uh, I don't know. Just a yeah, quick they, Google search will reveal everything I need. Yeah, they're an interesting company because they started off with just doing like um, like uh, third property ports and things like that, or like movie based games, show based games, and, and and all that, all the like. So they they've definitely come a long way if they're doing um, if they're doing like a remake. They did the um, Crash Bandicoot and Sand trilogy. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I heard that was good. I have confidence. Hmm. Hmm. I feel good about this. <laughs> so do I now that I know who's doing it yeah yeah I don't know they, they don't publish that I wonder who publishes for them is it EA or um let's see if there's anything on the oh, the, oh the, 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 if it's Skylanders it'd be Activision yeah it's Activision um okay <laughs> maybe maybe good things are coming then for uh for Tony Hawk which would be awesome <laughs> yeah I played the crap out of Tony Hawk on N64 man yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know. Like they, the last Tony Hawk game was awful. <laughs> it looked rough, man. <laughs> I think the last one I played was Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three. That was on PS One. Oh, dude, I've so... gone back recently and played the hell out of that again. It's so good. It holds up. Um. Kind of, not really, but the, it's still the graphics fun. don't hold up. But I mean, the the gameplay I think is pretty smooth. The gameplay and the soundtrack is really what you're playing it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Well, a lot of games back then too, like they did a really good job on the PS1 of pumping out like 60 frames per second on so many games back then, which is which is weird to think uh, that was a, a, a potential standard as far back as that. But I was recently playing like Tekken Three. And I was, I was actually kind of blown away. Like, it plays really freaking good uh, for, for being that old of a game. That's a blast from the past. Yeah, have you oh, played that so on the good. PlayStation Classic or the actual PS1? Oh, I, I used to own it on PS1. Now, now I'm just playing it on the PlayStation Classic. Oh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, do you have... Because what I was hearing about, I never got the PS Classic because I was hearing that you were getting a bunch of... Uh, you're getting PAL games, especially Tekken 3. You're getting um, 
it was a PAL game for one, and then it wasn't the, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't the actual game. Like it was, uh, what the hell was it? Like a pirated version of the game or an emulated version? Oh, it's highly likely that these are all emulated versions. Okay, of the yeah. Games at this point, yeah. But they were but saying honestly, that the endpoint. I got the thing for like twenty-five bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got it on a deep discount sale at EB Games Canada. Holy shit! Yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah, we'll the... I will say though, if you're looking for like an old retro sort of classic game thing, dude, like the SNES one and the NES one are worth getting. Oh, dude, this, the Super Nintendo one is, like, the most absurd value in gaming. It's ridiculous. I know. Great games are so good. And, like, Jeez. the friggin' um, Street Fighter 2 that's on there, mwah, fantastic. Yes, yes. How many games <laughs> does it have uh, built into it? Like 30 or something. Like, it's ridiculous. Oh, and they even tossed on uh, Star Fox 2. Uh, yeah, I think you have to beat the first one to unlock it, but uh, it's, it's a never-before-released game that didn't turn out so good. <laughs> oh, shit. And can you mod that? Like sure. after you play all those games, can you like put a hard put a thumb drive in there and add extra games? Legally, no, but yes. <laughs> well, I wasn't There's asking legally. I was just saying, can you do it? <laughs> There's ways to mod it, yes, if you choose to. Yeah, because you know how people are pissed off that the PS Classic only came with a certain amount of games, and they're like, ah, oh, it's kind of shitty games. So they started hacking it, putting thumb drives in, and then they were able to get like hundreds of games on the PlayStation 1, as well as N64 games and all kinds of other crap. That's like pretty much anything, dude. Like, you know, if you've still got a PSP, you could like play pretty much anything on that that was like done on the PS1. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got my PSP has all uh, I don't have any actual PSP games. Everything is built into the hard drive of my PSP. So, yeah, it's definitely modded. Yeah, yeah sounds like somebody knows what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I followed a lot of YouTube tutorials for that. I'm thinking about doing the same thing for the um, PS1 I recently picked up from a pawnbroker. Yeah, the PS1s were pretty easy to hack. Because the problem is, like, with retro games, like, I'm not sure how it is in America, but, like, they're just so expensive here. Oh, they are here, too. Um, There was a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for the Dreamcast that go that goes for about $800 now. Is that the one that we made for the PS4? Uh, nope. That is uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the very first JoJo game, I think. Oh, God. Phantom Blood is awful. <laughs> <laughs> so is Eyes of Heaven. It sucks. I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, the game you, um, Eyes of Heaven on the PS4. Uh, Have you played that? Oh uh, no, I've, no, I haven't played that yet. But I, I've recently finished watching JoJo's Diamond, so that's where I'm up to with JoJo's. Oh, okay. JoJo's is fun. Yeah, I like JoJo. It's crazy. Besides Phantom Blood, Phantom Blood is sucky and really bad. <laughs> they haven't updated any new episodes on Crunchyroll though, so I don't know what else is coming out next. Uh, well, Golden Wind's finished, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Golden Wind, that's done. Yeah, well, I think the next one is the female JoJo, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. What's that? Is that Stone Ocean? I think so. Oh, great. We... The, the best JoJo's <laughs> is like... Just out of curiosity, what is the best JoJo's in your opinion? Because we're probably going to argue here. All right, I'm going to go with gonna... the second... Um, it's a battle tendency. Hold on. All right. The first one was Phantom Blood, right? Correct. Okay, so I'm gonna go with number two. Uh, um, battle tendency. Diamond is unbreakable. Basically, everything with um. Jotaro. Everything with Jotaro. Yeah, and uh, the the newest one I wasn't really into that much. You know, dude, Stardust is my favorite JoJo. It's freaking ridiculous, and I love it. Oh, Stardust, okay. Is, Stardust is the Egypt one, but Jotaro. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Oh my god. But that's I not why we're here. Went back. I didn't realize these games went back to 1993. Yeah. You guys are naming titles I never heard of, and I looked it up. I didn't realize <laughs> they went back that far. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. The the original like manga run for JoJo started in like 1980 something, kind of like Berserk. Yeah, and I thought Berserk, Berserk was, was more like, recent. I've been Mandela affected because I just I didn't know it went that far back. 
Did you, you know, know like that the, they um, even had a Naruto game for the PS1? I didn't even know that. Oh, oh crazy. I didn't know that either. But, um, like a fighter? Yeah, dude, like, probably. Yeah, probably a fighter. I'm not exactly sure because I've never played it. Weird. The, um, I wonder how, like, far back the first Berserk game goes. Now I'm curious because I know they put out that, like, weird. Uh, oh, they got a nasty one looking one on the Dreamcast, man. The graphics look so shitty, and the gameplay is clunky as hell. <laughs> I want to check out the freaking, like, the, the Dynasty Warriors one they did for the PS4 a couple of years back, because I've recently gone back and started doing things with Berserk, and I'm still really freaking enjoying it. Oh, didn't I tell you I played Band of the Hawk, and it was pretty good? I mean, you did now. Okay, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you've got me added on PS4 when I was playing that all the time. I probably do I, i've got you on there but it doesn't mean i pay attention to what people are playing dude ah okay not very observant i kind of just do my i kind of just do my own thing you probably realize that by now yeah when you do your playthroughs and everything yeah well i've oh. got to record everything i play it's just what i do yeah it's saying that the um let's see that the original sword of the berserk uh guts rage is that the one you're talking about for dreamcast okay yeah that's probably. the one that's the one Oh, that, that was actually, that was developed by uh, ASCII when they moved into uh, software development. So that, that's interesting. ASCII did some weird games in the late 90s. They did that. They did uh, Moon, which is like this really bizarre RPG that kind of also informed the development of Tulip that came later, which was another bizarre game. Like, it's, they did some really weird stuff back then. Yeah, have you oh, ever played man. Sword of the Berserk? It's fucking weird. No, never did. No, Nathan no. Dogs, I didn't have a Dreamcast. <laughs> well, looking yeah, back... Yeah, I, I, I never owned one, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had one in the uh, late 90s, like 99. I was playing it a lot, and then it broke down, and I didn't get one until last year, and I started getting like all the Dreamcast games once again. And I was like, oh, let's see you know, how well these hold up. And a lot of them hold up good, but Berserk does not hold up well at all. Nice. I mean, just throwing this out there for anyone that hasn't read or watched Berserk. Like, you probably should. It's really good. <laughs> it's one of the best. They need to do more with it. Maybe not the 2016 and 2017 anime, but, like, watch the first season and start reading the manga. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely formative to the uh, anime experience in the West. Once it started to blow up here, I remember Berserk was... I think it was in the first couple dozen big ones that were kind of imported and localized uh, all in real time. So, Well, dude, there's a reason it's like ranked as number one on my anime list for manga releases. It's Oh, no shit. It's still really freaking good. Like, it's still going. Like, the dude who writes it keeps getting depressed by things <laughs> he's writing for his characters and has to keep taking breaks each year. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's brutal, um, man. Yeah, dude, like, if you've seen anything past where the original anime ends, like, you'll understand why. <laughs> now, you haven't watched the the CGI animated ones, right? I've started watching 2016, no. which brings me to a question. Have they... They must have freaking reanimated that, dude, because, like, there's nothing wrong with how it looks on Blu-ray. Yeah, they did. They actually made it look less computer-generated, and they added more cartoony effects to it. Yeah, it's fine. Like, the freaking Blu-ray releases that I'm watching for 2016 is fine. Like, I've got no problem with it. Yeah, but if you had seen it when it first came out, you would have thrown up. Thank God. It was terrible. <laughs> well, I can strongly recommend if you could find a Blu-ray version of Berserk 2016-2017 to watch it that way. Oh, well, I've got the digital versions of it, and it, it's pretty much the same thing as a Blu-ray release. Then you know that it's not bad. Yeah. But don't watch it on Crunchyroll because it still looks like ass. Nice. <laughs> I might have to oh, go boy. with the ass version. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're you're not really gonna like it, man. It, it's uh, censored so bad, like they don't even show the nipples when uh, the woman is running oh. and she's got her shirt ripped off. It's like it's boobs Ooh. but no nipples. <laughs> so oh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> oh my god. Here's an interesting thing to tie things back into what we were originally talking about. Did you know that the original production company that made the first Berserk anime actually worked on the Pokemon series? Stop. Really? Yep. 
That's wild. <laughs> like Berserk is like the only thing that the like one of the only things that the original animation company did outside of Pokemon. What was the name of that studio? Uh, give me a second. I will find out for you. Uh, Berserk. Um, freaking hell. You put me on the spot here, dude. Oriental Light and Magic? Is that a thing? No. That's what came up on uh, the Wikipedia. Studio was O-Team something or other. OLM Inc. Well, I never even yeah, heard of Oriental that. Oriental Light and Magic. I've never heard of that. That is so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to hearing like TV Tokyo, Studio Densu, uh, Piero and everything, but yeah, Fuji. Yeah, yeah <laughs> not, none of that other stuff, man. No, I'm I'm not familiar with all any of that. You know, it's um, a little interesting fact that you can just like throw out there. Wow, that is so bizarre. Well, that's crazy. If I, if I keep going this way, I'm going down the rabbit hole. So, <laughs> more Mandela effect on the stuff for you. Every, everything yeah, yeah, is yeah. a Mandela oh, yeah, effect. Gotta, gotta break away. <laughs> oh my goodness! You can blame Nelson Mandela for that. <laughs> I've long blamed Nelson Mandela for Mandela effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, great. Great work breaking the system of apartheid. I, I'd still blame you for Mandela effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's 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 more along the lines of what we do on Ronin Geek. It was that joke there. <laughs> oh okay. yeah. Well, I listened to a few episodes last night, man. I was really into it. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of uh, digression and then. Uh, Adam and I typically take a lot of time to try and trigger Rob uh, into <laughs> reacting in a way that's hilarious to us, and a lot of that, a lot of that, often has to do with us talking about, you know, we'll go on a tangent about how you know Star Wars Episode Eight is like the greatest film of all time, and and that will trigger him something fierce. And uh, I mean, you're not wrong; it's, it's, it's the greatest show in history. <laughs> no wait exactly. episode episode nine is the best of the star wars i've never even seen it but it's the greatest well now it is because because it wasn't out but back then but now that it's out it is the best so it, it's the, that's the kind of argument that would it, absolutely it, trigger him it's the <laughs> greatest of all time <laughs> i haven't so even seen it but it's the best that's all i gotta say well then you would be correct so in, in your opinion but uh, that, that's the fun part about it is just, uh, you know, there's there's enough content out there that it's, you know, better than anything we can produce news-wise. So we'll, we'll, we'll loosely cover news and current events in, in gaming, movies, TV, all that good stuff. Like we recently did uh, and then had to re-record for episode 89 because uh, Rob lost his audio because we've all been recording remotely. Uh, we did uh, Tales from the Loop from Amazon Prime. Super cool show. I do highly recommend it, but it is slow going like it, it's a brutal watch and the episodes move at a snail pace so it's a good show though i really dug it yeah well i i think everything flows better when it's not um it's got kind of a good format but it's not like strictly formatted and so you know you're just kind of you're having more of a conversation than you are like okay now we got to get to this part and then we got to do this and then we're going to have to talk about this yeah, the crazy thing is I, I typically end up having to cut quite a bit out. <laughs> so what you typically get is the most condensed version of the joke and, and, and the conversation that happened. Ah, uh, man. Because, you... yeah, one of us ultimately will end up digressing into some crazy, like, uh, <laughs> tangent about some random-ass thing that goes on for 15 minutes. So Those are uh, some so of the a lot best, of man. Yeah. You got kind of like what we've done for the last 10 yeah well i'm gonna leave all that in here though oh but they're experts on like role-playing so if they get into like uh like role-playing stuff about pathfinder D &D, i let their stories go like i encourage them i'm like keep going like that stuff is great but like if i go on a tangent about something out of like you know like gaming history or something like that you know and i start naming a bunch of random japanese people they typically zone out pretty quick so that stuff i'll typically cut out and maybe maybe save for a side project <laughs> nice yeah, not not their cup of tea. There's some real good D and D podcasts out there. 
Oh, so many, man. So many. It's it's honestly, it, it's awesome that we're living in a time when it's on such a rise, man. Like the, the D&D wave right now is massive and it's so much fun to be a part of again. Yeah. No, it's good fun. Like I've played it a few times. Like it's a lot of fun. I know it's like Mark is like, oh, it's a nerdy geek thing, but it's so much fun. Oh, dude, it's a blast. And uh, there's actually some good online ways to play so if you have a, a decent enough uh, dm who wants to help out you can actually put together games using programs like foundry or roll 20 and uh and these are nice online platforms with nice visuals to be able to create your own campaigns online and i've, I've been encouraging everybody to get in on that stuff man because it's like what right now when so many people are in isolation can't leave home like it's such a great way to connect with people and uh, it's just fun it's just fun yeah, I joined Roll20.com, but I haven't had the chance to get any games going. That's yeah, good. It's good. Uh, solid. Foundry solid. Yeah, I dig them both. Sounds like you need to do a crossover episode, dude. Make a D&D podcast for Inhumans. <laughs> the Inhuman <laughs> D&D podcast, where I know nothing about D&D, and like, I'd be the one loser who is just sitting in the corner while everybody else is going off about D&D, and I'm like, Okay, yeah. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Uh-huh, yep. I'm a level three elf ranger. How good. <laughs> Every time I play, I try to make a bard. Oh, uh, you're one of those people. Okay. Yes. Yes, I am. Nice. Like this, does your bard sing? I'm like, no. Does not sing. He does have a knife. <laughs> Uh, uh, so you're not the typical bard. You're going to inspire people with knife tricks. How good. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to max out, max out uh, that my, my speech and charisma. And it's going to be all about knife tricks. Boom. There you go. So. <laughs> That's amazing, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I heard that you cool. can add other characters into it now. Like, I always wanted to add... Like, since I got into The Witcher, I was like, oh, that would be cool if you could add a Witcher-type character into your game. And then they went and did it. Yeah, it's kind of, you can, like, so if you're using, uh, I'm trying to think, and Roll20, is that, is Roll20 the one that exists uh, within uh, Watsi's sort of vernacular? Is that is that theirs? I'm trying to think. Because there's one, I think it's Foundry, that's not sort of official. And then, and then roll 20 is so foundry. You can just kind of create, you know, whatever you want to from scratch. You can import templates that basically reflect what you have in D and D without actually being D and D because it's like copyrighted material. Uh, or you can kind of add in like your own, like your own little things, however you want to. So it's, it, it's totally open format. How, how you want to play it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We got to get a game going one of these days, man. Oh, that'd be, that'd be epic. That would be absolutely wild. Adam and Rob would be in on that one as well, for sure. Yeah, just like do a do a D and D episode, and play the game, and then listen to me cry. <laughs> and just assume that no character is going to make it to the end of the episode. Yeah, like that that would be the twist on on the D and D format that that we would put out there. <laughs> no character will survive <laughs> this this episode. In the end, everybody <laughs> dies. Oh man, that would that'd be good. Yeah, good. <laughs> cool but yeah man i mean honestly i gotta get rocking and rolling here so we're, we're we're coming up to uh uh witching hour in about a half hour here so ah, i gotta, I gotta okay. get the, yeah the baby to bed soon but man what an absolute blast coming on meeting you this way i know I, I, we've been talking in the chat groups and stuff and meeting jay like it was awesome and, and jay are, are um what, what's your podcast called uh, my podcast is Smack It Down, where we cover wrestling. We're doing a ECW retrospective at the moment, and we have a special guest on pretty much every week who is an Australian deathmatch wrestler. So he's also giving us his perspective on old school ECW, and it's fascinating. That is so awesome. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Like, does he, uh, he, he was like actively wrestling, like up until when? Uh, he's still wrestling. Like, it's just currently, in, like, everyone's in lockdown. So we just decided to throw a little project together. Wow. That is so cool, man. That is so cool. Well, yeah, I'll give it a listen, though. So thanks thanks for the uh, thanks for that. Um, this week's episode coming up is Heatwave 97. We can't actually find that legally anywhere. So instead, I'm going to find out how a deathmatch wrestler would book a show. Oh, I oh. remember Heatwave 97. Damn, that was delicious. 
So yeah, that's what's coming up on my show anyway. Oh <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck. All right, so you um, do you want to do plugs for your show, Alex? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. We guess kind of already talked about it already. I think they got a good sense of the format, but that's Ronan Geek Official Podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts, uh, where you regularly listen. And yeah, it's all about uh, current events and, and gaming, movies, TV, comics, you know, geek news. We'll touch on anime every now and then. Uh, just whatever, just whatever kind of hits us. And then, and then most of it is just uh, banter, roasting, insults, and nerd rants. So I think uh, it, it's it's that's about the long and short of it. There. Perfect. That's. No, <laughs> I knew there was a reason I liked listening to that show. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Well, we get some useful information out every now and then. Yeah. I'll give them that. <laughs> like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I never heard of when you're going into video games, it's like I start trailing off. But then when you start talking about a game, I remember. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Talk more about that. <laughs> Then it lasts like two minutes and then move on to something else. Yeah, and then I'm like, ah, fuck. Yeah, (laughs) basically. Gonna make me do research now. Uh, Well, gentlemen, it was an absolute blast coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it was great having you. I hope we can do more of these crossover shows. Yeah, I I think we'll have to after this. This was great. (laughs) All right, you take care now. All right, take it easy, guys. See you, bud. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.